it's really weighed a lot on my heart uh, as a pastor because I'm responsible for what I communicate to you, right? In other words, I'm responsible. I have to give an account for that. And, and it weighs constantly on my heart uh, in the times that we live. And I, um, I always want to make sure that I'm communicating the truth. And even here in, in the near future, we're going to talk a little bit more about the times we're living in. Um, but one of the things that I see is so many people struggling in their life as far as having peace. And I want to share with you just some real simple things this morning that will help you be able to walk in peace in your life. Because everywhere we look right now, you have pandemic, you have shootings going on, you have riots going on, you've got just general fighting among people and things going on, you've got threats and sickness and disease going on, famines are going on, wars are going on, rumors of wars are going on. And, and not that we've never encountered any of that, but we've never encountered it all at once. And there's a difference. And so right now, there's a lot going on in our world, and, and it's real easy for you and I to lose our peace. It's real easy for you and I to, to, to um, not walk in peace in our life. And I'd say that there's many of you today, you're here this morning, and, and it's not that things are just going bad, but, but there is not a peace that's operating and flowing in your life. And God wants you and I to be able to live and to walk in peace. And I'm just going to tell you, as far as, as far as this world, there is no president, there is no party, there is no level of government that is going to legislate or bring peace. Right? Because it doesn't come from here. Right? And I'm not making a political statement. I, I don't care which side of the aisle you, you ride on. You know what I'm saying? I'm not talking about that. And, and I think what we've done, if we're not careful, is, is if we've, we've looked to other things outside of God to bring peace into our life. And, and I'm not saying that, that those things don't have an impact because the Bible says we're supposed to pray for those in authority that we might live a quiet and peaceable life. So there's a role for that in, in, in this world, but that's not the end all, catch all, that's not the answer to all, right? And, and if you have paid any attention, there is an assignment of the enemy to bring division uh, 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 in our nation, and then also in, in the world. Because Jesus made it very, very plain that a house divided against itself, what? Will not stand. Right? And so I just want to share with you, like I said, some principles concerning peace. Because where there's no peace, there's confusion. There's unrest. There's things that are going on in life, and that affects all of us. That affects our lives. And so let's go in your, into the Word. 1 Peter chapter 3. I'm going to get there. 
1 Peter chapter 3, verse 8. Listen to what it says. Finally, all of you be of one mind. That's pretty interesting, isn't it? That this is New Testament. And, and Peter is telling uh, the church, he's saying, listen, all of you be of one mind. Having compassion for one another, love as brothers, be tender-hearted, be courteous, not returning evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, blessing, knowledge that you were called to this, that you may inherit a blessing. For he who would love life and see good days Let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against those who do no evil. And who is he who will harm you if you become followers of what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you are blessed. And do not be afraid of their threats, nor be troubled, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. So Peter is giving us an idea here of how we're supposed to live as believers. And, you know, they did a statistic, a study, and it's been a recent study, that 17% of believers believe that the Word of God is the absolute truth. Now, you're here, amen, and I I believe that you believe in the Word of God, but just remember that the same salvation that you and I stand on, the only truth and proof is in the Word of God. You see what I'm saying? So if you throw out something else, then your salvation is now on shaky ground. And, 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 and we're not saved by opinion. Well, I believe I'm a good enough person. Well, I, I hope that that works with God. And you've got to decide, am I willing to bet my eternity on that? Right? So as we look and we see what the Word of God says, listen, he's not saying that we need to be of one political mind. He's saying that we need to be of one mind, that we have compassion for one another, that we love our brothers. There is, the Word of God has to supersede this world. It has to go beyond what I see and experience in this world. The Word of God has to be a higher authority in my life if I'm going to have and walk in peace. And he said that we are responsible to pursue peace. He said to seek peace and to pursue it. And then I read it in verse uh, 14, but I want to read out of the American Standard Version because I, 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 I like the way that it says it. It says, but even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, it says, blessed are you. It says, fear not their fear, neither be troubled. 
Fear not their fear, neither be troubled. We have nothing to fear. We have nothing to fear. If I believe that my life is in the hands of God and I believe the word of God, then what do I have to fear? No matter what happens in this world, what do I have to fear? Right? That's, that's what we're reading from the word of God when we look at that scripture. But yet how many times do we live in a place of fear over everything that's going on around us. Or it could be just one situation. How, how am I going to pay my next bill? How am I going to you know, buy my next groceries? How am I going to deal with sickness? Well, what about the pandemic? What if I, I, I get sick? What am I going to do about that? See, f- faith, does not, faith does not look at circumstances and deny they're there. Faith just looks at the circumstances and says, I have a greater authority that I trust in. See, so I'm not saying the circumstances aren't real, right? I just showed it earlier. We could get on news right now and see uh, people that have been killed recently. We can see people that, you can find stories of the pandemic. You can find stories of, of fighting with people and people just going off their rocker. You can find stories of all different things that are taking place in the world today. It's there. It's happening. And God didn't call us to stick our, sand, our head in the sand and our fingers in our ears, you know, and, and act like nothing's going on. He's just said, listen, I've got a better way to deal with it. I've got a, a better way for you to be able to face this with your life. Now, in Mark chapter 4, verses 35 through 41, we've got the story where Jesus gets in the boat with his disciples, and he says, let's go to the other side. And many of you probably know the story. Um, If you don't, you can read it, and it's full in Mark chapter 4. But Jesus has his disciples, and they're going to go to the other side of the sea. There's an assignment waiting on the other side. And the Bible says that as they're sailing along, as they're going along in the boat, that a storm arises. A a massive storm arises. And waves are coming over the boat. They're coming into the boat. And Jesus is asleep. And the disciples become worried and fearful. So much so that they go and they wake up Jesus They wake up Jesus, and here's the two statements that they make. In verse 38, they wake him up and they say, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? You see, fear, the Bible says that his love removes all fear. And that's not just, that's the fear of God himself in the sense of him, you know, destroying your life. But it's also, it removes all fear out of my life when I realize how much God loves me. And the disciples are here in the boat and Jesus is asleep, but yet they still choose to fear the circumstances or the storms of life. And they ask Jesus, do you not care? 
And I could say probably most of us has been at a point at some time when we were facing a storm and that question came up. And your, the question is, is, well, God, don't you care? Don't you care about my health or don't you care about, uh, you know, my, the need for food or the, 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 the need to pay my bills or my job or, or my marriage or my kids? God, don't you care? I'm not saying that you grabbed hold of it and believed it. I'm just saying, I guarantee you, the thought has come. But the disciples expressed that and listened to Jesus' response. Well, first of all, he got up and he rebuked the storm. And he said, peace be still. Then the second thing he said, is, or what he told them is he says, why are you so fearful and how is it that you have no faith? Why is it that you're so fearful and how is it that you have no faith? And all of us... It's, it's not a matter of whether, uh, I, I don't necessarily believe that it, the disciples had to stand up and rebuke the storm because if you read their commentary later, they were totally blown away that he could do that. So they didn't even know that was a possibility. But they did have authority over the storm in their life. See, you're not responsible to speak to the storms of the nation or the storms of the world. That's not your responsibility. Because storms are going to come. What you have a responsibility to do is to deal with the storm in your life. And how, how do I deal with that storm in my life? What do I do with that? Well, am I just saying, well, Jesus, don't you care? And Jesus, you do something about it? Or do I begin to understand that I have a say and I have a response of faith that if I will walk in that faith and respond in that faith, then I can overcome or speak or deal with the storm that I'm walking through in my own life. And that I'm not walking through a storm by myself. I, I believe that that was the biggest misunderstanding in that situation or, or the biggest lack of faith was that they didn't even consider that we're in the boat with Jesus and he's asleep and he said to go to the other side so there is no way that this ship is going down. But yet the waves and the wind spoke contrary. And Jesus was showing them a different way to deal with it. Listen to what Matthew chapter 10 verse 28 through 33 says. It says, and do not be afraid of them that kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul. But rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? And not one of them shall fall on the ground without their father? It says, or without your father, uh, it says, but the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, therefore, you are of more value than many sparrows. 
Even one, therefore, who shall confess me before men, him will I also confess before my Father who is in heaven. But whosoever shall deny me before men, him I will also deny before my Father who is in heaven. He's saying, listen. He's saying, fear not. There's not a sparrow that falls to the ground that he says your heavenly Father doesn't know about. And how much of more value are you than they? than the sparrows. He knows how many hairs are on your head. And so his conclusion in that is therefore fear not. Because we have a God, a Father who loves us and he knows everything about us and he knows what's going on in our life. And it's important that we have to make that decision. We have to learn to pursue that peace in our life. Jesus is not responsible for your peace. You are. Because he's already provided for it. I'm not saying he won't do anything. He already did everything. Even when Jesus calmed the storm for the disciples, that still wasn't enough. The disciples still had to believe in Jesus and put their trust in him. It's easy to put it all off on God and say, well, God, why don't you fix this? God, why don't you fix that? God, why don't you do this? Why don't you do that? And yes, God has his responsibility, but we have a responsibility. And Peter, if we, we read the Word of God and we look at what the Word of God says, maybe, maybe we need to look at things a little different and quit putting it off on God and say, God, what is my part in this? How do I pursue peace? How do I seek peace to the place where I become successful in that? It's a supernatural peace, right? It's not natural. It's not of this world. Now listen, this is important. Your peace cannot derive its source from this world. You cannot walk in the peace of God deriving the source of that peace in this world. In other words, I can't look to the world to be the source of my peace. And so many times, it's, well, if I just you know, made more money, if I just, you know, did this, if I just, you know, uh, <laughs> if I just was married to somebody different, if I was, you know, <laughs> don't raise your hand on that one. But, but do you understand what I'm saying? We look at our circumstance and say, if my circumstance was just different, then I would have peace. And when you do that, what you're doing is you're saying that my circumstances are now the source of my peace. Instead of me realizing that my circumstances have nothing to do with it. Now, I'm not saying it's fun to have adverse circumstances. Right? I'm not saying that, that that's fun. I'm not saying that it's easy. But I am saying that you don't have to lose your peace. You don't have to live without that peace and that calm. And when we talk about peace, we're not talking about a mental peace. 
in itself. We're talking about a peace that uh, it actually flows from the inside out. And I'll show you from the word of God here in, in, in just a second. Our peace, let me say it this way, does not come from a lack of outward pressure. But it flows from an inward confidence. It flows from the Holy Spirit. It flows from faith. It's supernatural and the peace of God is transmittable. You can go back to when Jesus sent out the disciples two by two and he says, go to the house and if they receive you, let your peace rest upon it. I'm gonna read you another scripture here. John 14, 26. But the comforter, the advocate, the strengthener, stand by and read out the Amplified, the Holy Spirit whom the Father will send in my name in my place to represent me and act on my behalf, he will teach you all things and he will cause you to recall, will remind you, bring to your remembrance everything that I've told you. Now listen to what Jesus said. Peace I leave with you. My own peace I now give and bequeath to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. So do not let your hearts be troubled Neither let them be afraid. Stop allowing yourselves to be agitated and disturbed and do not permit yourselves to be fearful and intimidated and cowardly and unsettled. Man, that's powerful. Jesus said, Jesus didn't say, I'm giving you peace. Jesus says, I'm giving you my peace. Something that belonged to him that he possessed, he says, I am giving that to you. It's the gift of peace. It's it's peace in our life. And so we can have that peace in our life that the word of God says goes beyond our understanding. It goes beyond our ability to comprehend. There's a peace that can flow and operate in our life that is supernatural in nature, and therefore it is not dependent upon the circumstances of my life. And he's no respecter of persons. You don't receive peace by doing everything perfectly. You receive peace by faith, just like you receive every other promise from heaven. There's a faith element to it. So, How do I walk in peace then? Let me just give you a a, a few scriptures here. Number one is, is that you and I have to keep our focus on Jesus. And how do I do that? I do that through worship. I do that through praise. But I do that through the word of God. So if you're not a person that you read your Bible, that you spend time in prayer, and you spend time in worship, you will be a person without peace. I'm not saying you won't have peace at some times, but you will not walk in the supernatural peace of God because you are not setting your mind and your heart on things that are above or on Jesus. Well, I come to church. That is a great start. That is a great habit to be in, and it's necessary. 
It's important. It's vital. But even above that, I need to be a person of the word. Listen to what it says. Isaiah, it says, you will guard him and keep him in perfect peace, in perfect and constant peace, whose mind, both its inclination and its character, is stayed on you. Because he commits himself to you, he leans on you and hopes confidently in you. So trust in the Lord, commit yourself to him, lean on him, hope confidently in him forever. For the Lord God is an everlasting rock. When we do that, we can have peace in our life. It's part of walking in peace because I'm trusting in Jesus. I'm trusting in in his word. I'm able to put my confidence in him. John 16, 33, Jesus said, these things I have spoken to you that in me, talking about Jesus, you or us, we may have peace. In the world, you'll have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. No matter how bad the world gets around us, right? No matter how bad the world gets, no matter what happens, we still have a hope and a consolation. We still have a future. This world is temporary. It's temporary. Your life is temporary. And the older you get, the more you realize how temporary your life is. But we can have a peace. And Jesus said, you're going to have tribulation. You say, oh, well, you know, God's got it. And, and, and yes, I do believe that there is a, an element, there is that sovereignty of God. There's an element of that. But God has given us authority and God has given us the, the ability to establish his kingdom in the earth and establish his kingdom in our own life. Now listen to me. This is important. You can have authority over the devil in your own life, but you don't necessarily have authority over the devil in somebody else. And so you and I can just say, well, everything's going to be okay. I'll never have challenges or I'm not going to have problems or, you know, God's got me. Yes, he does, but you can't go and tell the Apostle Paul, who was stoned to death, who was beaten, whipped, thrown in jail, See, I think the other side of the coin is, is sometimes we think that, well, because I'm a believer, I go to church, I call myself a Christian, that I'm going to be absolved of certain things. I'm not talking about sickness and disease and poverty and, and all. Those things are paid for. But I am talking about persecution. We stay home and away from church today because the weather's good and I want to go do something else. Or the rain comes down and we want to stay home. That's not persecution. You see, it's not just about us showing up to church. Part of it is is that you're getting fed the word of God so that you know how to stand in the midst of persecution. And you can maintain a peace in your life in the midst of trouble. Got a few amens on that. Second thing is, is that you need to have a constant prayer life. 
a consistent prayer life. Philippians 4, 6, and 7, do not be anxious or worried about anything, but in everything, everything. Everybody say everything. He goes on in in the Amplified, it says, every circumstance and situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving continue to make your specific request known to God. And the peace of God, that peace which reassures the heart, that peace which transcends all understanding, that peace which stands guard over our hearts and over our minds in Christ Jesus. He's giving us the key, one of the keys to peace, and that is, is that in everything, I need to have communion in God about it. I don't just need to go to God and ask him to meet my need or ask him for stuff. I need to have a relationship with God on a daily basis. And I do that through prayer. I don't just do that because I confess, you know, a year ago, 10 years, you know, 20 years ago, I came to the altar. No, I I have a relationship. I didn't just tell my wife that I loved her at the altar. I tell her I love her every day. That's why we still have a relationship. And it's not just because of that. But the point is, is that there's a daily communion. There's a daily relationship. And in your life and my life, if we're going to have peace, we need to have relationship with the Prince of Peace on a daily basis. And when I find myself getting agitated, and I do, you know, I keep up. I don't spend a lot of time, but I keep up with what's going on in the news and the world and just trying to keep a pulse on that. But when I do, I find myself getting agitated, sometimes getting angry. And sometimes I I can get anxious for you. Because as a pastor, my responsibility is to know you and to do my best to know where you are. Amen? And so I can, I can notice if I'm not spending the communion that I need with God. And we all have things going on in life, right? We all have stuff that's happening. Uh, we're all susceptible. But I want to encourage you, you have to be a person of prayer if you're going to walk in, in, in consistent peace. And then the third and the last thing is that you need to live a spirit-empowered life. Romans 8, 5, and 6, it says, those that are motivated by the flesh only pursue what benefits themselves. Don't, don't be so surprised that the world is going ballistic because it is their nature and it's the nature of selfishness. So don't be surprised, right? It says, but those who live by the impulses of the Holy Spirit are motivated to pursue spiritual realities. For the sense and reason of the flesh is death, but the mindset controlled by the Spirit, listen, finds life and peace. Finds life and peace. And in Galatians 5, 22, I'm not going to read it all, but one of the fruits of the Spirit is what? Peace. 
So living a spirit-empowered, spirit-led, spirit-controlled life brings me to a place to where I can have peace in my life. And there's not one thing in here that is telling me that I need to look at my circumstances. It's telling me the opposite. I need to look to Jesus. I need to look within and the power of the Holy Spirit in me. Romans 14, 17. It says the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. See, that's the kingdom that we live in. We're not of this world. That's what the Bible says. We are citizens of heaven. We belong to the kingdom of God, and that kingdom is righteousness. It's right standing with God. It's peace. It's a wholeness and a completeness is what peace is, and it's joy. We sang it this morning, the joy of the Lord in me. That's the kingdom of God in our life, righteousness, peace, and joy. And Jesus in Luke 19, when he arrived before his triumphal entry, you know, when he walked on through, talked briefly about that on Palm Sunday, the Bible says Jesus looked over the city of Jerusalem and he wept. And he says, he says you missed your time of visitation. And he says, you, didn't, you don't know the things that make for peace. He wept over them because they didn't know the things that made for their peace. And what is that? It's knowing who Jesus is. It's knowing Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. It's knowing him and walking with him and fellowshipping and being part of the family of God, being part of the kingdom of God. That's where our peace is. And if you're not part of the kingdom of God and you're not walking with God, then you're not going to have peace in your life. And you'll be... You'll be looking and controlled and dictated, your peace will be controlled and dictated by the things of this world. And I, I, I don't want to be a downer, but I, I just want you to know this world is not going to get better. The Bible says that in the, those days that darkness would cover the earth, gross darkness the people. But as a believer... The Bible says that we would arise and shine and that the glory of God would be seen upon our life and we have a peace that the world doesn't have and they can't get and they can't give it. But you can. You can tell, you can share, you can be an example, you can have that. And you can walk in peace in your life instead of engaging in the fear. Why don't you just be an example of peace? And the world needs that peace that we have. Amen.